Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Daily Thread. It's a new week. Nice Baruch to Hashem. be back here. Yes, yeah, beautiful morning in uh, in New York. It is pretty nice. Yeah, it's not cold yet. It's uh, almost December. Uh, it's Kislev. We're that's hanging for on. Sure. We're hanging on. Uh, summer, summer, and falls hanging on. They don't want to let go. Yeah, uh, to winter. They don't want to give in to winter. These week, these Monday episodes are always difficult because there's so much that happens over the weekend. And what do we choose to cover? So we decided last night in our WhatsApp status to put out a little bit of a a feeler to see what people want us to discuss and what they don't want us to discuss. Okay. And the the consensus, yeah, um, was please don't talk about anti-Semitism or Donald Trump. <laughs> that was that was the consensus, which I hear. You know, it's a little bit, just a lot. And I'm noticing for the first time in my life, really, how much anti-Semitism there is out there because we're trying to cover those stories. Don't mention that. Yeah, I can't say Don't the A-word. Let me say, uh, on that subject, let me just interject and say that there's a story in today's Wall Street Journal about when do the election uh, campaigns uh, stop? They never stop. It's, it's such good news for, in terms of dr- uh, getting people addicted to the whole idea of running for office. And here we just had a midterm election, and now we're talking about a presidential election that's not going to happen for... Uh, 23 months, uh, enough already. Enough yeah. of the election frenzy. How about uh, political leaders that are elected? How about going about the idea uh, of leading and allowing the people to live their lives? It's a good, it's a good point, but that's politics. Like That's just how it works. Yeah, we, don't have to, we don't have to pay attention to it, but do we, I guess we have to pay attention to it. Maybe, do you want to not pay attention to it? Uh, I can't, I can only talk for myself. It's difficult for me not to pay attention to it. You know, um, so today, yeah, today we're not going to pay attention to it. But today we're going to discuss some other thing that's going on in the world. Uh, firstly, you know, just just to get to some headlines that we have, um, the World Cup, very interesting stuff going on. The U.S. is playing Iran, Iran, tomorrow. Iran tomorrow. tomorrow. Is it Iran or Iran? I think it's pronounced properly Iran. Uh, who knows? Anyways, I think uh, tomorrow at one p.m. the U.S. is playing Iran, and um, right, it really, it, it's like so interesting because. Iran obviously wants to, you know, destroy <laughs> America and Israel and America's allies um, politically. But we're going to go ahead and play a soccer match with, versus each other. Well, you know, it's not really the U.S. against Iran because uh, it's really the corrupt, uh, dictator, dictatorial Iranian leadership uh, that is the the struggle with uh, with the United States. So it's not even UN U.S. versus versus Iran. The Iranian people would love to be free. Of the uh, uh, oppression that they that they live under, and be able to live free, but uh, they can't. So those soccer players, they you think they're ever going to go back to Iran? Um, well, I I know I I only I didn't study it, but I I caught uh, we mentioned it a minute ago that they haven't been singing the national anthem. Mm. As a way of protesting uh, solidarity with the protesters, yeah, there's no in the way they plan on going back. There's protests in the street of Iran. You know, there's protests now. If you watch the news in the streets of China. You know, uh, uh, but it's uh, the, the dictators in both China and Iran. And I even heard this morning that uh, in North Korea, Kim Jong-un is introducing his 10-year-old daughter as the future leader of North Korea. <laughs> he has three small children and she's the oldest. And this is, this is such, this is such a, a joke that he believes that the people are going to buy into uh, uh, the fact that the future leader after him is a 10-year-old girl right now. And you know what? Uh, you were think you were thinking on the surface that's pretty ridiculous, right? But they better believe it, otherwise he's going to kill them. It's true. Very interesting. But what's up with him? 
Rocket Man. Rocket Man. Well, I don't know. I don't know how the the I don't I don't I don't know the structure of a dictatorship, but uh, I know from what I've read over the years that you have a strong man, like you have Bashar Assad in in Syria, for example, and he controls all the money, and he controls the flow of oil. Uh, he's partners with Putin and the Russians. Uh, he has an air force that his brother runs. Mm-hmm. He has uh, a a navy, which is all the ships and the and the aircraft carriers that his uh, brother-in-law runs. Uh, and the people that are not related to him uh, get paid millions of dollars, so they got pretty good jobs. So they want to make sure they do what the what the boss wants. I hear that. I'm not going to say that. And then, <laughs> that's how. Uh, and, and the same thing. The same thing is true of China. And the same thing is how do you get the people to oppress so many people? Uh, I don't and, know. And the same thing is true of of China. The same thing is true of of Iran. There's North Korea. That's uh, we, we've mentioned on this program. I know. I remember saying it that. The majority of the world lives under these dictatorships. There's Crazy. Seven, there's seven billion people in the world, and about five billion live in these types of countries and these types of societies where there's never an election, uh, where their future is determined. They're given food by the government. They're educated by the government, and the government educates them, you know, with the information they want to know. You know, you know, you know how TikTok works. The mm-hmm. TikTok in China is not like the TikTok in the United States. Regulated. Anyways, another headline uh, that I have here is uh, building train and subway stations in Bene Brock. Yes. Is that happening? Well, you know, the negotiations between uh, Israel's upcoming prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, you know, it's a unique situation because he's the past prime minister and also the future prime minister, mm-hmm. uh, which seems to be the case for the last 10 or 15 years or more. Um, and there's, there's, a, there's the tug of war, there's a give and take over what the different parties want to uh, join his governing coalition. He's going to have a strong government when they finally agree to all the different points. So two of the points that I read about uh, over the weekend was uh, the United Torah Judaism, which is a Haredi party, as you know. The UTJ. UTJ. Uh, one of the things they want uh, uh, is a uh, train a train system in B'nai Brak because it's very difficult to get around B'nai Brak. People the complaining there? The, <laughs> oh, speaking of B'nai Brak, you know I saw on Chavez? Oh, oh, yeah, you told me. He was in my house last night. I didn't tell you. Uh, he told me. He was in my house last oh. night. Our good friend, Matis Yahu Lesman. I was in shul. He, left, he went back to Israel last night. Unbelievable. I, yes. I, I didn't even recognize him. He was trying to talk to me in Yiddish, and I don't speak Yiddish. Yeah, I said to him last night, how did you communicate with Nachi? You know, you don't speak any English. He doesn't speak any Yiddish what or he Hebrew. He said, somehow you communicated. He said the name Lesman. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I was in you your been, apartment. You've been in his house. Yeah. He, he came to our house last night with his daughter before he went to the airport to go back to Israel. And he lives next door to the Lebanon Shul. He used to always take us in to see Reb Chaim Kanievsky. And uh, we're going back uh, Hanukkah, and we have some other plans. We're drawing up Plan B. Mm. You know, we've got a cave of Reb Chaim and, uh, and a few other places that uh, he suggested uh, that we have in mind. So he told me that he did, uh, he did see you. And, oh, we were talking about UTJ. Uh, so there's a train. B'nai Brak, yeah. The train being built around the periphery uh, of B'nai Brak, but there's a problem with transportation within the city, okay? So the government, as part of their concessions to the new government, and the, they're spending billions of dollars anyway, they, they agreed they, they would accommodate the, the, the demand for a transportation system by train uh, in, uh, in B'nai Brak, but the um, UTJ, uh, they want a concession from the government that there'll be no building on Shabbos, which makes sense. Yeah. 
But the transportation people and the Likud say that the equipment that's being used has to be used seven days a week in order to be successful. Uh, it can't be shut down. If it's shut down, it creates all kinds of different problems. Getting it takes it time starting again. up again. So they want to be able to work seven days a week. Problematic. And the pow- powers that be in Bnei Brock don't want them working seven days a week. No trains. So, so, so what are you supposed to do? Get a bike. Well, I mean, they're going to build a train, but I don't know. You know, they say... Uh, they say, you know, it should be Kim Takatsa River Devasa. You know what that means? I do not. <laughs> said, if a cat is on one side of the river and wants to get to the other side of the river, and a cat doesn't swim, how does he get to the other side of the river? Yeah. You got to figure out a way. The same thing here in Bnei Brock. You got to figure out a way to Sp- do this. Speaking of, speaking of Bnei Brock, um, we got a piece of feedback to our daily thread phone. Which, from Bnei Brock? Not from, I, don't, I don't think from Bnei Brock. But speaking of Israel, um, which just a reminder, if you're not signed up yet to the Daily Thread on WhatsApp status, make sure to go ahead and sign up. The description, the link is in the description. Um, we're posting content all day, and I'm telling you, you will enjoy it. If not, we'll give you your money back. It's free, though. So Take we'll, it over. We're taking over the world a little bit, one day at a time. A little bit at a time. Okay, so where is this? Okay, um, so in response to like people saying, oh, don't speak about anti-Semitism. We're, we don't want to hear about it. So someone said, okay, so speak about making Aliyah if you don't want to hear about anti-Semitism. Okay. It's time for American Jewry to accept that it's game over. There's much more to Yiddishkeit than smoked meat and charcuterie boards with a thank you Hashem sticker on the saran wrap. Oh, that's, uh, that's, <laughs> a, that's a low blow. To who? I don't know. To people that, uh, whose religion the is People who like charcuterie? Or thank you Hashem? Which one? <laughs> I don't know. People whose religion is charcuterie and... Uh, and uh, whatever else they were referring to, there. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I don't, I don't know. Well, don't, what are you, what are you still doing here? Listen, it's, it's you don't it, want to make. Why haven't you made Aliyah yet? It's, 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 it's very complex. I'm. Uh, why I'm, is it complex? I'm here because you're here. Oh, really? I'm okay? here because you're here. No, listen, I, I know people that made Aliyah because the kids were in Eretz Yisrael. You know, you're, you're, you're young, you're young people. You know, you're adults. You're, you're married. You have your own kids. Um, you can make an independent decision. We don't have to. Why know, don't? Why haven't you? We don't, we don't, we don't you love have, Israel. We don't have to have a group hug. <laughs> I, I, I think. I think it's. Uh, Kumbaya. Uh, I, I think part of it. Uh, I think it's a, a complex issue, uh, and I think it's. Um, I think it's part of uh, what your orientation is, and I think it part of the part of the problem is that it's Israel's fault. I think also. Oh, okay. I mean, Nefesh Benefesh does Maraglam great work. over here. No, Nefesh Benefesh <laughs> does great work. And over since they existed, I don't know, it was the last twenty, I think, thirty years, uh, they've taken over thirty thousand people. Why? What? What? What makes you say that it's Israel's fault? Um, because Israel markets itself to people like us uh, from a tourist point of view. You know, a sale, uh, a black, it was a Black Friday sale on on El Al tickets. You know, uh, there's a, a sale in the in the hotels after the. After January first, when the when it becomes off season. Okay, I don't you know, know where you're going with this yet. Well, they 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 they're not talking to us about coming to live in Eretz Yisrael. They're, come, they're talking to us they're about coming to visit, be a tourist, coming to visit, be a tourist, fly over, visit here, go to the Isha Rebo concert in the Sultan's Pool. You know, visit the uh, the Carmel Shook in in Tel Aviv. They're not pushing enough. Buy an apartment. Buy buy places. You're saying like. Um, I don't know. I mean, um. I'm just saying that um, that's my that's my that's, taste? that's my orientation that I have, and I I'm not saying that it's all Israel's fault. I'm not blaming anybody. Well, I, I but also my that, that's the experience. That's what I I absorbed and what I uh, what I saw and I absorbed from my I, my parents. They went to Israel every year from 1964. Well, up times have changed. That was before 67. I mean, so much has changed since then. No, they went from 64. They went for the they went for the first time in 1964. 
And I remember in 1960, my father was a, loved taking videos, but there was no videos yet. It was film, 8 millimeter film. And he had a camera and he took movies in. In 1964, before the Six-Day War, someone took him over the rabbis and Yerushalayim took him up to a, a, a roof of a school where if you leaned out the window and someone held you so you don't fall down, you were able to see a little glimpse of the Harabayas. Mm. And he he took a video of that. We were able to see you have that video. And I think Benjamin, my brother Benjamin, probably has it. He preserved all these things. Oh, we got to get that. <laughs> but uh, the orientation was the hotels, and 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 the airfare, and going away for ten days or two weeks or a month. So when we had Ishai Rebo on the Meaningful People podcast a lot less than a year ago, something that he said towards the end, um, he did a tour last year, Loshavabaita. And the call was for people to come home, yeah. move to Eretz Israel. And he he called on even on employers in America to make it make it easy for your employers to work from Israel for your companies. Meaning, tell them like you, you could move to Israel, you'll get paid the same, and we'll accommodate and we'll work with you. Um, I saw there's like this stuff on LinkedIn, maybe like, oh, uh, employees in Israel, you know, you know, uh, hire someone in Israel, pay ten percent less, and people who made Aliyah weren't happy with that because like, why, why should they pay less for someone who lives in Israel? Um, but it should, maybe we should be thinking about like, if you want to move to Israel, like take away the excuses. That's the sort of each I said, we have to take away all the, the, the materialistic obstacles like, Oh, well, Parnassa. Well, no, you can keep your job, move there and you can keep your job. Obviously if someone's working as a salesperson in a, in a suit store or something, obviously you can't do that. But if you're working a desk job, if you're working even as an accountant, like, you can make the move and keep your job. It takes away a big obstacle. You know, Israel's not far away anymore, you know. Uh, I, I do still meet people that haven't been in Israel in 10, 15, 20 years. And I said to them, you know, it's like the easiest thing to do. You go over to JFK, which is 12 minutes from here, and you sit down in the terminal, and then you get up, you walk onto the plane, you sit down again for 10 hours, eat a couple of meals, and the next thing you know, you're in but People have kids, people have work, people have... This is what I mean. It's, it's not... It's not always easy. What are someone supposed to do? They have five, six kids, all under the age of fourteen. They have work. They have different schedules. They have to. They have carpools. Like they can't just get up and go. It's very com. Like I said, there's no simple solution. It's very complicated. But and the question is not only on us here in New York or in the United States. The question is on Jews in the you know all over the world areas of, of the world. Some which are not as uh, convenient or as comfortable. Yeah, just because uh, you live in uh, Chicago or Baltimore doesn't mean you're exempt from uh, you know. Making that Aliyah move. What about people in Toronto? Toronto's got a crazy government with a with a, with a prime minister. You never know when they're going to crack down on you. Sure, but people it's not being like chased. Government. People couldn't go to school for two years in places like Montreal. You know, and uh, uh, but people stay there and they're building those communities. Uh, the, the 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 people that work on drawing people to Aliyah, they have a um, they have a taina, they have a complaint against places like. Like Lakewood, for example, that are building larger and larger uh, Torah communities. Why are you doing you're getting that? Getting too settled here, you're saying. Why don't you? Why, no, why don't you? If you if you're raising that kind of money, why don't you put your resources into into Eretz Yisrael that you cherish and that you love and that you always focused on? Why are you building up New Jersey? You why know? are you build, building up temporary homes? So why why are you building up New Jersey? That's the that, that's the question. Why? And the question's not on the on the average guy that goes to work. Uh, you know, uh, that has a car and has a wife and two or three kids and as a young man. The question is, why is the leadership leading us in that direction? We'll get back to that conversation in just a second. I want to just say, speaking of this, there's a Cyber Monday sale for nonstop flights to Tel Aviv from LL from six ninety nine. 
That's six ninety nine. You go ahead and book right now. Cyber Monday sale, nonstop flights to Tel Aviv. The link is in the description and show notes. Hit that link, get that discount, and you can be living what we're talking about right now, which is going to Israel. Maybe even book a flight that's one way. That's mm, cheaper, yeah. and uh, and you'll be happier on the other side. But I mean, like, I don't know. It, it's a it's tough. You it's know, tough. I, I'm listening to these programs after you edit them and put them up online. We say I don't know a lot. Well, that's, I think that's the most important <laughs> sentence in the English. Lot, that's the most important sentence in the English dictionaries. I don't know. There's a lot of things that we that we just don't know. But I mean, we're here, and people are looking for something other than I don't know. Okay, so here, something listen I, up. I, what's the next level? Of I don't listen know. up, people. Book your flight to Israel, or at least pack a bag and say this is for when I'm going to Israel forever. I don't know. Do people? <laughs> I don't know. Again, um, I know plenty of people that move to to Israel, uh, make their home there. Um, my French bull cats moved twelve years ago, you know. Uh, I know a lot of people that just made a decision; they're going and they went. I know a family from Staten Island. His name is Ellie Walbrum. He, a couple of years ago, I remember he said, "We're moving to Israel in July." And like a couple of other friends, were like, "You know, moving to Israel, please." And he he picked up. He had he has three kids. They have two, one set of them are twins, so two of them were in seminary, um, in yeshiva. And mm-hmm. he, he moved to Israel. He lives in Ramat Beit Shemesh. He has a job here still, and he works nights. He commutes, and he commutes back and He forth. comes back maybe like once a month or twice a month, something like mm-hmm. that. But he uh, he's living he's living a life there in Ramat Beit Shemesh. It's not easy. It's not easy to make the move. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's not an easy, easy move. But it's, it's sure as heck seems like it's worth it. It's, it's just it, it, it's a much different culture. You know, something you have to get used to, the, the look. You know, when I come home from Israel and I, you know, and I get into a taxi... Or you pick me up from the airport, or or back. or Yankee Geller picks or you up. Yankee Geller from Preferred uh, Car and Limousine Service. Um, you know, you have to get you have to your eyes have to adjust to the look. It's just different than Yerushalayim, and Yerushalayim is so much different than uh, than, than Tel Aviv. Um, but it takes um, it takes courage. It takes courage, and uh, I, we had we had a writer. One of our writers went as a reporter on the August Nefesh Benefesh flight. And he met a guy uh, that he knows. I think actually, I think he's from, I think he's from Muncie. Okay. He met a guy with a, his wife and four kids on the flight, and he asked him what he's going to be doing in Israel. He says, you know, he's been working remotely for two years, so he didn't tell his employer that he's making mm. money. Uh, he just completes this. He's just going to continue working remotely. And at some point, if he has to come in, he'll come in. But meantime, nobody's bothering him about coming in. He hasn't been in the. I know other guys that haven't been in their office for going on three years. That's funny. So you can live anywhere in the world. You can move to Paris. You can move to Los Angeles. You can move to Yerushalayim, Beit Shemesh, and just do your work. That's true. So we could we could record this from anywhere in the world. We definitely can. You know, we don't we have to we don't have to be here in, in, in Cedarhurst, do we? Should we should we make this move? Oh, we're all here. You know why we're all here? We're all here because we're all here. Well, it's our grandparents' fault because they ah. decided to settle here. Had they gone, you would have been there, then I would have been there, and then we all would have been there. You, your grandparents? You mean my parents? Yeah. Well, don't forget their parents. Uh, their parents escaped Europe. They were. They had a different. They, they had couldn't a different, go to Israel. They had a different motivation. Some members of the family actually went to Israel, but they have a different motivation. Don't forget, uh, you can't compare your lifestyle and the things that motivate you to two generations ago when. Um, when when they were in the European towns and they were in trouble, yeah. their life was in danger and they had to get out. That's true. You know, Listen, it's, it's food for difference. thought. It's food for thought to think about making that move, making Aliyah. Um, another story we have here is a 62-year-old man who was seriously injured on Wednesday, November 23rd in the bombings in Yerushalayim reported to his doctors and guests 
at the Shari Tithik Medical Center that his life had been saved in part due to the Tehillim, which was in his pocket when the explosion occurred. While he was injured by the blast and several fragments of shrapnel from the bomb, he later discovered that one potentially lethal fragment had penetrated the rear cover of the book of Tehillim he was carrying. The fragment made its way all the way through the pages of the book before coming to a full stop at a verse at verse 7 of chapter 124. The verse read, Nafshenu Kitsipor Nimlata Mipach Yokshim, Hapach Nishbar, Anachnu Nimlatnu. Our soul has escaped like a bird evading the grasp of its cra- of his captors. The grass is broken and we have escaped. And the, and the shrapnel went through that page and his life was, was saved. Well, it's a very beautiful story. And God works in mysterious ways, as we discovered uh, many, many times on a daily basis. And like uh, like I've said before, Nachman Kahana says that if you think you understand, if you think you understand God, if you, if you think you discover what God is, he's not that. Yeah. He's something else. Another headline, uh, Israeli basketball player, Denny, I don't even know how to say his name, Denny Avida. He's a okay. Jewish Israeli he's in, basketball player. He's in the NBA. He's on the Washington Wizards, I believe. Um, and he spoke to some fans after the game, and this is what he had to say. Um, so I just want to say that I, sometimes I'm away from home, away from friends, away from family. And, uh, you know, sometimes it, it, it can be a little lonely, uh, especially in the, in the U.S. And just coming to the games and see you guys and see Hebrew and see the shirts and see the flags, that brings me a moment of joy. So don't ever stop. Um, I'm always be Israeli. I'm always going to support Israel. So that's like really nice to see from a, an NBA player, you know, to say that he's always going to support Israel. He's always going to be Israeli. And and um, you have every time he plays, you have fans of Israeli flags in, in the crowd. Omri Caspi is, you know, retired from the NBA. He was previously right. the NBA Israeli player. Um, we have Amari Stoudemire who converted to Judaism. Yeah, but he's no longer in the league. So now we, right. we have an Israeli. Um, so shout out to him for, for taking that stance publicly. Um, another weird story that took place in the five towns the other day for Rockway is, is a man was walking the streets with a machete um, and he went over to a few yeshiva bachrim right. and he said to them, hey, where's the local synagogue? Right. Um, this man has not been caught yet. Well, <coughs> are you going to show the video? Because if you show the video, yeah, I'll show the video. you can see the machete hanging from his belt. Okay, one second. And he's walking down the street very I'll show, nice it, I'll show it right now. This guy just came over to me and said, do you know who the synagogue of Satan is in the Bible? He's walking down the street very nonchalantly uh, with a machete hanging from his belt. He asked these two boys, I think it was um, near Roosevelt Court, which I think is near uh, yeah. Shiva Farakwe. Yeah, believe. somewhere. Okay. And um, I don't know, they, they called the police, and they called the, uh, the Rockaway Nassau Security patrol, and <clears throat> they saw the man walk into uh, to a building uh, in in Far Rockaway. And according to the people I spoke to at the RNSP, the police didn't want to go into the building to to pursue him. Why is that? Because um, he didn't uh, he didn't commit a crime. You know, it's not that's not a crime. He didn't do anything. He was walking in the streets with a machete. You know, it's not even a concealed weapon. <laughs> You know, the crime is maybe you saying maybe he's going is, to cut a big piece of challah somewhere. The crime is when you when you when you're hiding a weapon. That's a little bit of a of a crime, a concealed weapon. But you're walking. That's why that's why a pistol is illegal. But if you're walking around with a long gun, a rifle. You know, you're not violating the law. 
Interesting. It reminds me. Uh, so no, wait, there, at least I spoke. I spoke this morning to Shulam Klein from RNSP, and he said the, the, the police are waiting for him to come out of the building. Mm. Hide and seek. Very. I don't know. Maybe, maybe left through the back door. Maybe. Maybe climbed down uh, through a window. Maybe. Who it's funny. I read over the weekend that um, the wives of the MK members got together, and uh, many of them had were wearing head coverings because there were there are a lot of religious yeah, families okay. part of the like, new government, and the only one that wasn't wearing a head covering was Sarah Netanyahu, okay. and next to Sarah Netanyahu was standing. Itamar Ben Gvir's wife, okay. who was uh, who had a who had a, uh, a holster right, right. for her pistol, and she was, I guess, criticized for it, and she responded like, "I live in Hebron my entire life. My husband is the most threatened person in Israel. I need to be ready to protect myself." Interesting. Well, they live in they live in Kiryat Arba, and I remember, uh, I don't know, maybe five or ten years ago, I remember someone took me to a pistol range where uh, the women from the settlement communities were were taking target practice. Uh, guns used have to be used responsibly, and when you live in a dangerous neighborhood, it's not a good idea to arm yourself in a in a responsible way. Another story over here is from Ben Verlander on Twitter. This is amazing. The Japanese fans cleaning up their own trash uh, and others at the World Cup. Uh, number one, the Japanese is the cleanest country that he, uh, this guy has ever seen. And everyone is so kind and selfless. This is a tradition at the World Cup. Yet it's not surprising at all. I'll show the video right over here. I feel like that's something Yeshiva Bakram would do also, no? <clears throat> it's all it's all in the training. Um, it's all in the training. It's really you nice. know? It's when, you go, when you go into a restaurant, I mean, you go into a fast food place, you always have that uncertainty about whether you have to clean your own table up or not or someone's going to clean it up for you. I think it's always the safe bet to clean your own table. Well, it's certainly the courteous, the nice thing to do to clean your own table, not to leave it for somebody else to do. But uh, I think... Shout out to the Japanese. If you're paying $5 for a Chok slice of pizza... Game time and we go, we can learn from everybody, yeah? That's yeah, a beautiful thing. If you're paying thing. $5 for a slice of pizza, then $3 for a Snapple, you might want, you might have a good uh, uh, rationale why someone else should clean up for you. Maybe. Um, but it's very it's very nice of them, and you know maybe we should take a page out of their book. You know I'm I'm gonna be in Madison Square Garden tonight for a Ranger game. Oh really? Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll clean up after myself. How are the Rangers doing? Not doing so Rangers well. are not doing too great. They're like losing games. They should be winning. They take they took a step back last year. They were better. Uh, just like uh, a lot of yarmulkes in the garden, right? Usually, I think there'll be a lot of yarmulkes tonight in the garden. I don't know why. Like tonight, Dafka. I mean, who who are they playing tonight? Anyone they're playing they're the New playing? Jersey Devils tonight. Oh, so that's that's the local. That's the local. But tonight, uh, tonight is this. Tonight is a stand up for cancer night at the Garden, and mm-hmm. myself, Nissan, my my brother, and and a couple other friends are going. We have a friend who had cancer, and we're going to you know he okay. barked him. He kicked it. And he, he's uh, he's that's thriving, great. and we're going in support of him. That's um, great. They're doing some a beautiful tribute there. And so that's uh, not that I need an excuse to go to a Ranger game. Oh, the next, <laughs> but, the next but I had to, I told my wife, listen, I have to go. It's that's right. You're going for your friend. I'm going to against cancer. The Knicks aren't doing so great either. But, you know, yeah. uh, they just uh, they just don't have it. They just don't. It's have just it. it's the life of a yid. We root for these teams that just disappoint us well, year look, after year. Look at the Jets yesterday. The, that guy. Look at a, that. You know, Mike White. He played like a professional quarterback. He, not like kind of knew that like was a high school happen. quarterback. Kind of knew that was going to happen though. It usually happens with the Jets. They bring a third stringer in. And he becomes a superstar. They're yeah, but kinda, it kind of begs the question, how come the coach, Robert Sala, didn't bring him in at halftime against New England last week? I don't know. They like sticking with their starters. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, Lavernius Coles, an ex-wide receiver of the New York Jets, he said on record, this, this move makes sense if they never plan on going back to Zach Wilson again because the Jets just told their fan base, we messed up on another early pick on a quarterback. So what do they do going forward for the rest of the I season? I think Zach Wilson, is, I think it's the last time we saw him play in a Jets jersey. Really? So Ever. 
Like I, I just heard this morning. I'll be working you know, for ESPN in two years doing I was, analysis. I was parking my car. He went, what, 22 for 27, something like he that? Went tw- he went, I think he went 22 for 28, yeah. for 300, over 300, 300 yards. yards. Two, quarterbacks don't do that. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. He, he did a great job. And uh, he has Jeff fans excited about football and going into December. And we're never, we, when was the last time we, we, were, okay, we so watched competitive football in December? We'll, so, have, to, yeah. we'll have to keep an eye on him. Exactly. The last time many Jews were in MetLife Stadium for something meaningful was the Sima Shas. But now it'll be some football games. Not as meaningful, but you know what I mean. Anyways, make sure to subscribe to the Daily Thread on WhatsApp status. If you have any questions about advertising rates, you can go ahead and message the WhatsApp account. Uh, the number, the link is in the description. If you want to email us, you can email the Daily Thread at meaningfulminute.org. That's the Daily Thread at meaningfulminute.org. And uh, we will see you again tomorrow with another episode. Have a great day. Have a great day.